Sup, you beautiful bastards. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. A quick friendly reminder before we jump into it. I dropped a surprise drop over at beautifulbastard.com with stuff that's only gonna be there this week, as well as extending some classic lines. So while you still can, make sure you grab some incredibly comfortable keep going gear, sports goodness, play stupid games, win stupid prizes, feeling corny. I love naps, emotionally exhausted on new stuff. You get amazingly comfortable, awesome gear, and it's also kind of like you're sponsoring the show for March. With that said, buckle up, hit that like button, and let's just jump into it. Starting with Justin B. Bieber is in the news right now for a really gross, concerning reason. Also, it has nothing to do with whatever the hell's happening with the, the Haley Bieber, Selena Gomez situation. Social media algorithms have been trying to force that down my story. I'm just gonna wait until my wife gives me a presentation like she did with whatever's happening with the Vanderpump Rules stuff. I just don't, I don't care. But with this Bieber situation, I, I wanted to talk about it because it, it really just, it puts a spotlight on how society was just okay with some really fucking nasty shit. With a number of clips getting resurfaced showing Justin as a teenager with people constantly constantly sexualizing him, which at that time he is a child. Or even things like this one clip where Justin's 15 years old, a radio interviewer kept describing him as a flirt, asking if he had a girlfriend, then going on to ask if he had the sex talk and adding, My parents never gave me the sex talk. Okay. So why don't you give me the sex talk? I, I really, me. I feel uncomfortable right now. Oh. Why do you want to know the sex talk from a 15 year old boy? That's pretty weird. There's also clips like when Justin's a teenager and Katy Perry grabs his butt, as well as a moment from the American Music Awards back in 2012 when Justin's 18, you have Jenny McCarthy presenting an award that he wins. And then once he gets on stage, this happens. <laughs> Right, so you have people reacting like, oh my God, I grew up watching this and I'm only now realizing he lost his innocence to this evil shithole in exchange for fame while being exploited left and right and no one protected him. And specifically with McCarthy, you had people going, you know, imagine if the roles were switched. Right, on live television, you have some old man trying to kiss up on an 18 year old. And you also had people saying like, Jenny talking about it afterwards, it actually made it worse. A little cougar scary. Yeah. But I took the opportunity in the window, considering I'll never get to do it again and Kind of molested him. I want some Bieber fever <laughs> and I want a Bieber rash. <laughs> I want it all. It'd be like cougar rash. And keep in mind, these are just like some of the many, many clips and th there is one constant in all of them. Bieber in pretty much every single one of these incidents plainly says like, that makes me feel uncomfortable. That's weird. And almost always it's kind of just dismissed or met with laughter. And so you know where I'm gonna end this is to ask if you grew up watching this happen. Is it something that was fucked up and you recognized it? Or at the time, was it so normalized by everyone? Did it just kind of uh, pass by you? Because as someone in the past who reported on and was critical of Justin Bieber when he was doing a bunch of the asshole shit, I do find myself these days far more sympathetic and also kind of amazed that he is not a crazy person. Because I don't know how you go through the extremely abnormal life experience that he has had and come out seemingly okay on the other end. Like that seemingly takes a lot of strain. And then, if you didn't see, this disabled Twitter employee absolutely humiliated Elon Musk, even though his defender's gonna be like, no, Elon Musk came out looking great. He's playing 5D chess. He wanted that pie on his face because he likes the way it tastes. But regarding the guy that I mentioned, his name is Hallie and he has muscular dystrophy. And since 2021, he's been an employee at Twitter. That is until a week and a half ago when the company fires another 200 people amounting to some 10% of its remaining workforce. Side note, remember when Elon was like, hey, that report that came out saying I was gonna fire 75% of staff, that was bullshit. That's not gonna happen. Oh shit, I did it. But anyway, with what happened, Hallie reaches out to HR and he says, 
says after nine days since the layoffs, he couldn't confirm whether he was still an employee. Plus, apparently, Musk hadn't answered any emails, so Halley just tweets at the CEO instead, and then he gets his attention, with Elon asking, what have you been doing? To which Halley replies that he'd have to break confidentiality to answer that on Twitter. So Elon gives him the go-ahead, and Halley dumps a bunch of his accomplishments, including leveling up designs. But then Elon asks, level up from what design to what? Picks or it didn't happen? We haven't hired design roles in four months. What changes did you make to help with the youths? To which Halley responds that he can't get any picks because, you know, Twitter locked him out of his computer. And that appears to be where it ends until Elon comes back hours later with this, writing the reality is that this guy, who is independently wealthy, did no actual work, claimed as his excuse that he had a disability that prevented him from typing, yet was simultaneously tweeting up a storm. Can't say I have a lot of respect for that. And then adding, but was he fired? No, you can't be fired if you weren't working in the first place. Now, to be clear here, if you look a little further, you find out Halley wasn't just any regular hire. He founded a creative agency that Twitter acquired, and in fact, he was named 2022's Person of the Year by several Icelandic media outlets, with him also apparently leading an innovation team at Twitter that spearheaded the edit button. And while it's true, he can only type for an hour or two at a time before his hands cramped, he explained in an overly polite Twitter thread that it wasn't a problem because he was a senior director. Right, so it was more managerial, also saying there is a difference between typing with one finger on a phone rather than actually coding. And as for the independently wealthy remark, Halley fired back at Elon that he must be referring to the agency and saying, I independently made my money as opposed to say, inherited an emerald mine. And adding, I joined at a time when the company was growing fast. You kind of did the opposite. The company had a fair amount of issues, but then again, most bigger companies do, or even small companies like Twitter today. So after that, it appears that Elon shuts his mouth for the first time in his adult life, at least for a little while. And Halley saying that all of a sudden Twitter's HR head finally confirmed that he was fired. With Halley adding that now he's still waiting to see if the company pays him what he's owed in his contract. But I do wonder if Musk is going to fight him on this, because like I said, he he kind of kept his mouth shut, but only for a little while. But I mean, as I'm recording this, he's tweeting out things like, many people on Twitter are defending him. This hurts my faith in humanity. And in response to someone who wrote, I don't think it's a good idea to shit on former employees in public, Musk wrote, he's the worst. Sorry. And also from a legal standpoint, I'm interested to see what happens, because he's openly talking about this guy's disability in relation to his employment and now firing. Especially because regarding that specific fight, at least for now, it is far from the only one that's being waged by disabled workers against Elon. Or you may have missed it, but there was a class action lawsuit that was filed against Twitter back in November on behalf of disabled workers who say that Elon's demand for hardcore, high-intensity long hours forced them to quit, and arguing the new work culture effectively foreclosed on any reasonable accommodations resulting in disability discrimination. It's almost like, and guys, I, I, may, I feel crazy saying this, maybe Elon Musk isn't a good guy. No, no, that can't, that can't be it. My apologies to Lord Musk. Moving on. And then, y'all know how I feel about the importance of cybersecurity and share how crucial it is to keep your stuff private. Well, Nord has extended their special birthday discount by a few days. So thanks to the fantastic sponsor of today's show, NordVPN, and more directly, nordvpn.com slash bill, you can get a huge discount on a two-year plan plus an additional gift. With Nord's threat protection feature, you can neutralize cyber threats before they can do real harm to your device. It makes my browsing safer, smoother, and helps identify malware-ridden files, stopping me from landing on malicious websites and blocks trackers and intrusive ads on the spot. And bonus, once you enable threat protection, it's constantly on the lookout even when not connected to a VPN. Not to mention, one account lets you connect and secure up to six devices in any combination so you can protect yourself and a loved one or two. So get protected right now and take advantage of their extended birthday deal. Go to nordvpn.com slash phil to get a huge discount on a two-year plan plus an additional gift of anywhere from four additional months up to a year of free NordVPN service. It's nordvpn.com slash phil. It's all risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. And then, if you've never been to a nursing home, you may not realize 
realize that immigration is actually very closely tied to it. That's become a bigger topic of conversation recently because nursing homes are struggling incredibly right now, with around six in 10 now limiting new patients due to staffing issues. With those numbers coming from a 2022 American Healthcare Association survey, and that survey actually goes on to say that 87% of nursing homes have staffing shortages. And even more concerning, 98% of nursing homes are experiencing difficulty hiring staff. And well, according to the National Bureau of Economic Research, the solution to this problem is immigration. With the Bureau publishing a paper saying that increased immigration could help solve the labor shortage in nursing homes. And this isn't just a wild claim, the numbers back it up. Immigrants reportedly make up 19% of nursing home workers. And with every 10% increase in female immigration, nursing assistant hours go up by 0.7% and registered nursing hours go up by 1.1%. And with that same immigration increase, short-term hospitalizations of nursing home residents goes down by 0.6%. And this, as we know that the number of people coming into the U.S. to work in healthcare fields is increasing. With the State Department issuing 145% more EB3 visas or employment-based visas for healthcare workers in the 2022 fiscal year than in 2019. But according to Skilled Nursing News in August of last year, the approval process for an RN can take between seven to nine months. Without substantial immigration reform, that's just not fast enough to actually help nursing homes. But also a thing to keep in mind is that displeasure about immigration has exploded since Biden took office in 2021, with a Gallup study published back in February saying that around 40% of American adults want to see immigration decrease. And this is a very recent increase. That number rose from 19% in 2021 to 35% last year. Now, uh, a key thing to consider is that more than half of Democrats still are satisfied with immigration and want to see it increase. But with a divided Congress, the likelihood of that happening is actually pretty slim. So yeah, absolutely devastating news for my mother who only started treating me nice in my 30s. <laughs> it's a joke, but it's not, Debbie. It's not. It is, it is, it's not, it is. Don't worry, I'll get you a west-facing room. And then, this is so scary. If you didn't hear, there were four Americans that were kidnapped in Mexico, with the FBI saying that the incident took place on Friday in the northern border city of Matamoros. The four crossing the border from Brownsville, Texas, driving a white minivan with North Carolina license plates. And shortly after entering Mexico, the FBI said that unidentified gunmen fired upon the passengers in the vehicle, and saying all four Americans were placed in a vehicle and taken from the scene by armed men, with a video that appears to show the violent kidnapping taking place in broad daylight circulating widely on social media. There were no there, I'm not going to be playing it because it is quite graphic. But in the footage, we see one woman walking and then being forced into the back of a white pickup truck by multiple armed men wearing protective vests. The men then drag other people trailing what appears to be blood on the ground over to the car and loading them into the back, with photos obtained by CNN also seeming to show that the car believed to have been driven by the Americans had collided with another car before the occupants were taken at gunpoint. And the big update today is that just this morning, Mexican officials confirmed to the public that the four Americans have been located in a village about 15 miles away from Matamoros. But tragically, two of them were found dead. One is alive and a fourth is wounded. Also of note here, the U.S. ambassador to Mexico said in a statement yesterday that an innocent Mexican citizen was also killed during the confrontation. And while officials have not yet officially released the names of any of the kidnapped Americans, family members have told the media that they are Latavia Tay McGee, Shaid Woodard, Eric James Williams, and Zindel Brown, with family members also saying that the four were traveling to Mexico so one of the people in the group could have a medical procedure, a claim that's also been backed up by anonymous government officials, with McGee's mother telling CNN that her daughter, who is a mother of six, was the one receiving the procedure. So that, of course, raises the question of, well, why were these people targeted? And actually there you had a U.S. official reportedly saying the authorities don't believe the victims were targeted prior to the incident, noting that none of the four had criminal records and there was no evidence they had connections to organized crime in Mexico. In fact, one U.S. official even told CNN that investigators actually believed the Americans were not the intended victims and were targeted by accident, believing that a Mexican cartel thought that they were Haitian drug smugglers. And we've seen many experts say that a theory along these lines would check out because as the New York Times explains, cartels often avoid targeting American nationals fearful of the blowback it will cause by the U.S. law enforcement. And adding while Americans can be victims of the violence that plagues much of the border, it is often because they are at the wrong place at the wrong time traversing a frontier rife with criminal activity and drug cartels. In fact, the U.S. State Department has even explicitly told Americans not to travel to this area because of the risk of crime and kidnapping, issuing a level four do not travel advisory for the state 
state, which is the highest warning in the system. But the reason you still see many Americans going to these places that are rife with violence is that they can get medicines and medical procedures that are either cheaper in Mexico or just unavailable in the US, right? Because even more so in recent years, Mexican border towns have been increasingly popular destinations for medical tourism. But for now, we're gonna have to wait to see what happens. Does this latest incident change US national security policy towards Mexico? Does it increase pressure for Mexico to crack down on this violence? And only time can tell. And that's where I'm gonna end today's show. Thanks for watching, like, and being subscribed to these daily dives into the news. For more news, you gotta jump into. I got you covered here and in those links down below. But as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.